Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. everybody in West Georgia, and welcome to the Sports Meet with Richard Holdridge. I am excited about this show. I'm coming at you on a Monday. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Don't forget that we are also broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Noonan. I got a great show as Rob Frazier will be joining me shortly as we are going to talk everything Super Bowl. Let's get right into the show. We had a busy weekend. We had the Pro Bowl. We had some coaching changes. We had the Winter Olympics. I'm going to talk about the NBA trading deadline. You had some big rivalries in college basketball and we had some local sports that I'm going to get into, including Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars basketball and the season opener for the Columbus State baseball team. So let's get right into the show. I've got a busy week. I got the guest lineup already set. As I will break down our guest lineup, today on the show will be Rob Frazier, my former colleague at Freed Hardman University. We did games together. He's done play-by-play, he's done color, we've called baseball games together, we've called basketball games together, and he's a very knowledgeable sports guy, and I'm lucky to have him on the show. Tomorrow, my former colleague from the Defense Information School of Military Broadcasting in Fort Meade, Maryland, Jenny Fisher, we both became combat correspondents together. She has had deployments to include Afghanistan, is now a civilian And she works up in Washington, D.C., a very passionate sports fan. And as she gets her sports broadcasting career going, we're going to talk everything Winter Olympics. I think we've uh, switched gears and we want to talk about some Winter Olympics. On Wednesday, you do not want to miss it, my former co-host of the Up All Night Show. Yeah, starting to see a pattern, Uh, mainly people that I've worked with in broadcasting before. My former co-host of the Up All Night Show, Brad Page will be on the show on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I have a special guest. It's midfielder for the New Mexico Lightning, the uh, arena soccer team in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Tanya Chavez. She's been on the show before, and we're going to talk about her experiences in indoor soccer. I'm going to talk a little bit about World Cup qualifying. You don't want to miss that show either. And then Friday, anchoring the entire week of an incredible lineup of guests, is Gabe Reynolds. I've always said that Gabe is a rising star is because he is passionate about sports. He's got some great sports takes. So let's get right into the show. All right, so we had the Pro Bowl last night, and I normally don't pay attention to the Pro Bowl that much, but the AFC did win 41-35. to There were some cool moments. You had Stephon Diggs going up against his brother, Trayvon Diggs. He scores a touchdown on him. Some brotherly love, that's pretty cool. Not a whole lot of running game. It's really a showcase for these players. Kyler Murray did throw a pick six to Darius Leonard. 
You had Mac Jones had a touchdown in an interception. And the AFC has won six straight of these. So football fans watch the Pro Bowl. I watch it just every now and then, but it's not a real football game. They don't really tackle that hard. You don't see defensive linemen coming after the quarterback. It's not really a showcase for like the defense. It's really a more offensive game. And of course, it was in Las Vegas. We had the news that broke that Alvin Kamara was arrested. But this is Super Bowl week. This is when the teams arrive. Well, the Rams are already there. You got the Cincinnati Bengals that should be arriving, and we should have media day. And it's just an event around the city where everybody can do the NFL experience. You're going to have Radio Row. You're going to have the media just talking about these two teams. And I can't wait for this Super Bowl. Between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams are still favored by four and a half points. And it should be exciting. All right, so we had some college basketball over the weekend. Auburn survived a scare. On Saturday, they were able to defeat Georgia 74-72 to on a Wendell Green last-second tip-in. It was a tough layup, but he gets the call, and Auburn, Still ranked number one in the country, 22-1 and one on the season, and the lowly Bulldogs fall to 6-17 and 17 on the season. Now, Auburn's got a tough schedule this week. They got to travel to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks, and then they host Texas A&M this Saturday. If you're looking at the losses, you, they could possibly lose tomorrow. They could possibly lose against Tennessee on the final regular season game, and they could lose in the SEC tournament. But I think that the Auburn Tigers are the overall lock to get a number one seed. Capping some of the other games, Kansas just destroyed Baylor. There's something wrong with the defending champs as they lose as they lose yet another game. Anytime you see a team that struggles like the Baylor Bears have, I mean, they have dropped. They have dropped three games in the last couple of weeks, including to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Kansas was just no match for the Baylor Bears, and Kansas trying to show that they're still the class of the Big 12. Baylor might be the defending champs, but Kansas is still the class. We had Duke had no problems against North Carolina. This at one time was the greatest rivalry in college basketball, especially in the 90s and the 2000s. But Duke goes into Chapel Hill, beats the North Carolina Tar Heels 87-67. What a win. Kentucky defeats Alabama on the road. A big win for them and a big upset as Arizona State beats UCLA in three overtimes. Looking at Sunday's games, we we didn't really have a whole lot of upsets. Mercer did lose to Chattanooga 77-68. The Mercer Bears are 13-11 on the season. You had Kennesaw State getting a big win over Bellarmine, and they're 10-13 and 13 on the season. Going over into the ACC, Georgia Tech gets a big win at McCamish Pavilion over the Clemson Tigers, 69-64. They're currently 10-12 and 12 on the season, and they will travel to Coral Gables, Florida, to take on the U this Wednesday as Georgia Tech. Remember last year, they had that incredible run where they rallied toward the end of the season, and they got into the NCAA tournament. However, lost to Loyola Chicago in the first round. Like I said, I've always been critical of the state of basketball play in the state of Georgia. Over the weekend, you did have Georgia State beat South Alabama 69-62, and Georgia Southern 
fell to Troy, 61-52. to Moving on to Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. As Columbus State fell to number 21 Flagler, 69-60. The Cougars are 15-7 overall and 6-6 in the Peach Belt Conference. They will host Young Harris College this Wednesday at the Lumpkin Center. And as always, you can listen to the game on 88.5 WCUZ. The Lady Cougars fell to Flagler 70-67. They are currently 12-10 overall and 5-7 in the Peach Belt. And they will also host Young Harris College on Wednesday. Let's talk about LaGrange College. As the LaGrange College Lady Panthers got a big win over Berea. And they're 13-8 overall and 8-4 in the USA South. The LaGrange College Panthers lost to Covenant 80-70. And they are 10-10 overall and 5-2 in the USA South. And they will take on Huntington College, their next home game, at the Mariotti Gymnasium on February the 16th. Just a big shout-out to the LaGrange baseball team as their first home game will be February 15th against Barry College at Cleveland Field at Williamson Stadium. So come on out to that. I work in LaGrange. I run the thread, and I run to that portion where the baseball field is. I see the baseball team practice. It's always a fun sight. I also run around where Callaway Stadium is and where the soccer team plays. And I'm just a big supporter of LaGrange College sports. I really hope that they have a, an incredible season. They had a great season last year. Their opener will be against Millsaps on February 11th. That will be a road game. Let's talk about the Columbus State Cougars baseball because they did something that was incredible over the weekend. Not only did they sweep West Alabama, and they're 3-0 and on the season, they put up 50 runs against West Alabama. They won game one and game two on Saturday, 20-4 to and 20-1, to and then they won the final match 10-6. to and then they won the final game 10-6. to Their home opener will be tomorrow afternoon at the Burger King Stadium at Ragsdale Field against Albany State. And you can listen to that game on 88.5 WCUZ. But looking forward to hearing Scott Miller call the baseball game for Columbus State. We do have some high school basketball. Many of you know I'm the public address announcer for Russell County Basketball. They are in the 6A Region 4 tournament tomorrow as you got Russell County taking on Eufaula up in Valley, Alabama. The first game will tip off at four. And then you got the final game of the tournament as Opelika will take on the number one seed, the Valley Rams. And of course, the championship will be Thursday, February the 10th up in Valley. So looking forward to that. Good luck to the Russell County Warriors. They had a very good season. And I'm looking forward to seeing high school playoffs in the state of Alabama and the state of Georgia. It looks like the tournaments are kicking off in Alabama. The regular season will wrap up in Georgia. You got a big game tomorrow night, LaGrange taking on Spencer. I'm looking forward to see where these teams end up in the state playoffs. Moving on to the National Basketball Association, the Atlanta Hawks dropped a tough one last night to the Dallas Mavericks, 103-94. to just too much, Luca. Dallas, really good team. They're playing on the road. The Hawks are 25 and 28. They have dropped two straight, but they're still in a prime position to get into the playoffs. They take on the Indiana Pacers tomorrow. The Pacers just traded 
away Karis Levert to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Don't look now. The Cavaliers are for real. Then the Hawks will take on the Spurs. The NBA showcase game over the weekend, the Lakers taking on the New York Knicks. The Lakers were able to win. Uh, Conveniently, they got LeBron back, but the story was Malik Monk. He's starting to become the savior for the Lakers. They were hoping that Russell Westbrook would be that third superstar. When healthy, they're going to have to go in the playoffs with LeBron and AD. I think Malik Monk is going to be a big, he's going to have a huge role in the playoffs. I don't think the coaching staff, I don't think LeBron, I don't think they trust Russell Westbrook. And I think that he could be shipped out by the trading deadline. But the Lakers are 24 and 27 as they are currently the ninth seed in the playoffs. The Pelicans were able to win three straight and they're currently the 10th seed. I know the fans want to see Zion Williamson come back healthy, but I think the Pelicans have had a good surprising run with Brandon Ingram as they were able to beat the Houston Rockets over the weekend. Once Zion Williamson comes back, I think the Pelicans will be fine because they do have two superstars in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. What is going on with the Brooklyn Nets? They have lost seven straight. They lose to the Denver Nuggets. James Harden didn't play. Kyrie Irving, he had 27 points, but you know he's not going to be counted on for these home games. And they're just weathering the storm, waiting for Kevin Durant to come back from that MCL spring. Brooklyn falls into the seventh seed because the Toronto Raptors, who have won five straight, they catapult into the sixth seed, and now it looks like Brooklyn could play in the play-in game, which could be problematic because they would take on the Boston Celtics in the first round. When you have a one-game playoff, anything could happen. You saw that the Warriors almost beat the Lakers last year if it wasn't for LeBron's three where he said he was seeing three rims. So Brooklyn is going to have to find a way to bounce back once Kevin Durant comes back. I've seen Brooklyn with all three players, Durant, Harden, and Irving. They are unstoppable when they have all three players and they are healthy. It's about that time. Let's bring Rob Frazier on the show. Yeah. Stick around. Welcome back to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. On the show today, as always, is my Monday guest, Rob Frazier, who has a podcast now. So, Rob, you're in the podcast world, and it's called Today's Timeless Teaching, a very positive spiritual message. And it sounds great. I took a listen to it. Rob, good having you on the show. And I want to remind you also that we are broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And it's good to have you back. Thanks, Richard. It's always fun to do this together. You know, we've been friends for a long time, just having fun with it. And we're thankful for anybody that listens to the podcast and especially those who listen uh, on local radio there. Uh, We appreciate it very much and want to thank the radio station for uh, partnering with us. Before we get into the Super Bowl, we're going to talk about the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl doesn't really mean anything. It's just a showcase of players. Sometimes there's some players that make the Pro Bowl as a fill-in because players opt out. So you got players like Mac Jones that made the Pro Bowl for the Patriots, and you also have Kirk Cousins that made it for the Vikings. Rob, what's your thoughts on the Pro Bowl? I watched uh, bits and pieces of it. You know, everybody knows what it is. It's an exhibition game. They did change the rules a little bit for player safety, which is always a good idea. No forced tackling from the defense. They did have a lot of interceptions and, you know, highlight plays and things like that. They were laughing and joking and having a good time. So it is what it is. It got competitive towards the end of the game, which is always good, and uh, ended up being a decent game. And uh, the MVPs were both uh, younger guys, uh, Herbert on the offensive side, 
from the Chargers and defensive player from the Raiders, the defensive MVP. And they were glad to uh, get that award. So, again, it is what it is. People who love football probably watched it. The ratings on it probably outdid most major baseball and NBA games. You know, it is what it is. Well, I think the ratings of the Pro Bowl were probably better than the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics. Lowest rated Winter Olympics of all time. What's your thoughts on the fact that we got a Winter Olympics going on right now during Super Bowl week? The United States does have four medals right now, but does anybody care? Not from what I'm gathering. Uh, Of course, the ratings tell the story. uh, And I feel bad for the athletes. You kind of have to think about it from that perspective. You know, they work hard and they train for their sport. I've always enjoyed the Olympics because it's stuff that you don't normally see. And uh, if, if you take the time to sit and watch some of these things, you can appreciate the, the athletic prowess and the artistry that goes into those uh, particular sports. However, at this current time, yes, it is struggling. The opening ceremony ratings were down. Lots of factors in that that I think you'll discuss with your guests uh, later this week. But yeah, I'm a little slow catching up to it myself. I do pay attention to the medal count, but it is what it is on the uh, Winter Olympics as well. The current medal count, you got the Russian Olympic Committee, because remember, Russia can't compete in this Olympics, with seven total medals, Canada with six, and the Netherlands with five. And of course, the United States has three silver medals. Sweden has the most gold medals with three. Rob, I'm just disappointed that the NHL players aren't playing in this Olympics, but I did notice that the women's hockey team is doing good. You also have mixed curling, and you also have... You, you also have uh, of figure skating teams this year. It's like new events for some reason. Oh, yeah, they do that every now and then to mix things up and and to shake things up. But, uh, again, um, the part that I enjoy about the Winter Olympics, if you're a subscriber to the Peacock channel, which is, you know, one of those supplemental things you can buy, uh, they have every event on there that you can watch either in real time or later. I like kind of picking through them and watching some of the stuff that you normally wouldn't see, you know, like cross-country skiing and, and of course, uh, <laughs> and of course curling, which is a very interesting sport. So, yeah, this is a ch- chance for those other countries right that don't do so well in the summer olympics to uh to shine in the winter olympics and you know the united states will always be in there it's supposed to be for goodwill and world unity you know as a man of faith that's my prayer that somehow that will um, rise to the top of the olympics rob we have a big game sunday i don't know if you heard but the super bowl is sunday the rams take it on the Bengals. rams are favored by four and a half before we get into your favorite portion of this show where we talk about the Super Bowl commercials, everything leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. What's your prediction on this game? I need to get a prediction from you. I know it's early, but what's your prediction? Who comes out on top? Who wins Super Bowl? So I'm looking here at the total point prediction on this game at 48 and a half. I'm thinking it's going to be the under because of the Rams defense. Uh, Stafford uh, will spread the ball out all over the field. Uh, Joe Burrow will have a have a good game as he always does. But I'm going to go with the Rams for the win. And I'm going to go with them to win by more than four and a half points. Um, and I'll just go with that for now. No idea what the total score would be, but uh, it'll be under the 48 and a half. And the Rams will win by more than four and a half. Wow. So you are predicting that it's not going to be a close game. I'm a fan of neither team. I just want to see an exciting Super Bowl. But we'll see. Let's switch gears. And let's talk about my favorite part of the Super Bowl, especially when I don't really have an interest in who plays. 
the commercials. We had some funny commercials over the years, Rob. We've also had some commercials that tear at your heartstrings. We've had some impactful commercials, iconic commercials. I was maybe five years old when that Apple Macintosh commercial came out, but it was a revolutionary, groundbreaking commercial. Rob, you got a list of some of your favorite commercials and some all right, so let's talk Super Bowl commercials. I did some research and found some of the funniest ones. Uh, I've even got the two most expensive ones and then the top five. So we'll just kind of talk over that in that order. Some of the funniest ones, the 2008, the E-Trade Baby Talk. You remember that one? I do remember that. I, I was thinking of the E-Trade one that you were sharing about wasting time. Like the monkeys, they had a they had like a commercial where they wasted like 30 seconds. The moral of the story is don't waste your money. Like invest in E-Trade. <laughs> yeah. So that one was funny too. 2010, uh, Betty White playing football in the Snickers commercial. That was hilarious. Oh, I love that commercial. Uh, 1992, Cindy Crawford with the uh, drinking the Pepsi. And uh, yeah, there was some, there was some uh, subliminal funnies in that one, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, so everybody knew who she was. And that's why that commercial was so iconic. Absolutely. 2010, uh, again on the funnies, the Old Spice coming out with their funny commercials. The man you could smell like. <laughs> I love that guy. You know, he played wide receiver for Arizona State. He's now a big time actor. He's been in some Adam Sandler movies. That guy is actually a superstar like athlete. And, and also, well, he was a superstar athlete for the University of Arizona State in the 90s. Yeah, a couple more. 2012, uh, Ferris Bueller Day Off recreation with the Honda. Uh, the Honda vehicle there, that was pretty hilarious. Well, you know, they're going to rehash and reboot just about everything. I mean, and one of the funniest ones, uh, two more, Ray Charles, Taste Isn't Blind. Now, that was hilarious. Uh, they was trying to hand them uh, the wrong. It was between Pepsi and Coke, and uh, Taste Isn't Blind. That that was hilarious, uh, and it was good for Ray Charles to do that commercial. Uh, and then one of the funniest ones of all time, which is also one of the uh, top rated ones of all time is where's the beef i actually do not remember that commercial i know it came out when i was a kid i remember that commercial was iconic and they kept playing it years later but yeah the the old lady was i guess a burger place just didn't have enough hamburger on the bun and so the tagline is that wendy's uh, hamburger patties are just bigger so yeah makes sense yeah, it made sense then. All right, most expensive Super Bowl commercials. Obviously, this isn't too hard. Um, these are from 2020. Um, they were tied. But get this number. This is mind-boggling. It was Google, of course, and Alexa, which is uh, an Amazon product. And so most people now, they are either using Google or Alexa for something, right? So in 2020, both of these companies spent $16.8 million dollars on their commercials 16.8 million richard on one commercial and the google one was the elderly man recreating memories of his late wife loretta and uh, it was very sentimental that was a man that was a wonderful commercial that and uh that yeah heartstrings that that really sure uh got emotional but yeah those yeah. those commercials were great absolutely top five here we go number five from 1993 You'll remember this, the McDonald's trick shot showdown between Bird and Jordan. Man, that was a good one. I loved it, and they also recreated that commercial several times with Charles Barkley saying, can I play? I can make that shot. And they also did it with kickers. They were spoofing that commercial. We're trying to 
recreate the that shot with with kickers. Obviously, these weren't Super Bowl commercials, so impactful that they tried to recreate it. Yeah, and now we got Dude Perfect, you know, and all their trick shots and everything. <laughs> all right, number four from 1995, the Budweiser Frogs. What's up? <laughs> I remember that commercial. Like when we first started watching that commercial, we had no idea what was going on. The, yeah, exactly. The, the, the frogs just came out with Bud, and it's like, okay, yeah, it, yeah. It it was impactful, but you know, it it was one of those commercials everybody remembers. Yeah, it was hilarious too. Number three, where's the beef? Uh, Wendy's, nineteen eighty four. We covered that. Uh, number two, also from nineteen eighty four. Apple uh, introduces themselves as the company that will take over IBM. Computers are changing, and it was a play on the Orwellian novel, uh, 1984. Um, so, yeah, people still watch uh, that commercial. And, of course, you know, before um, it was kind of like their launch with that commercial. Uh, classic commercial, uh, a little bit strange. Uh, they put a lot of money into it, and that was their uh, introduction to the world. So you said you remembered that one, Richard. remember getting a Macintosh when I was a kid. It was a big deal because when we were in school, Rob, we're the same age. You remember we used to have those Apple IIEs with the floppy disks, but then the Macintosh oh. came out, and it had a mouse. It was incredible. It was groundbreaking. Yeah. It's just interesting to see how technology's developed over time. So that was number two. And then still uh, the number one rated uh, Super Bowl commercial was uh, Hey Kid, the Coca-Cola, and the catch, uh, Mean Joe Green, turning from Mean Joe Green to Happy Joe Green uh, because of the kit. So nice sentimental uh, Coca-Cola commercial from back in the day. Yes, it, it was very sentimental. Uh, Rob, my favorite Super Bowl commercial. I still love this commercial. It's still got to be Terry Tate, office linebacker, a, a linebacker to motivate the workers. Like the boss is like, work pro has gone up. And it's just like nonsense around the offense. And they get tackled by this linebacker. It is so hilarious. It's obviously unrealistic because these workers would be you know injured permanently but it's funny because he just comes out of nowhere and you know there's shenanigans going on in the office and then all of a sudden terry tate the office linebacker you know he he has a a message for him too he's like your lunch break was over five minutes ago (laughs) and it was it was really cool yeah and it's interesting, you know, you look at the way the commercials are created. Some of them are informative, some of them are sentimental, and some of them are just meant to be hilarious. But looking at the top five ratings, uh, the number one was sentimental, uh, the number two was informative, and then number three was just kind of hilarious. So the good thing about the commercials is they're all over the place, and some of them some of them, Richard, they spend all this money on and they're complete duds. Like people hate it. You know, like what was that? And they almost, uh, the consumers almost uh, take that as a reason not to be interested in that product. Like what in the world was that? But, you know, some of the funny ones, you know, I remember through the years, of course, you know, is uh, a lot of the um, the commercials for your Pepsi or Coke products or your, you know, the everyday stuff you can buy at the store, like chips. Uh, you know, a lot of the Doritos commercials have been I super love those. 
I love yeah. those commercials. <laughs> One of them that made the top 20 was the Magic Crystal Ball. That That is hilarious. Slapstick comedy is hilarious. He shakes the crystal ball and he throws it at the vending machine because he asks the question, will there be free Doritos today? He throws it at the vending machine. The vending machine breaks. It's obviously just it's satire. It's dark humor, whatever you want to call it. But it is so funny. And then they they wrap up the commercial with the guy asking if he's going to get a promotion at work. He the globe and he throws it at his boss. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the chip commercial where the kids talking to the guy, do you want to go into my time machine? And you know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> you know, those are funny. And then, and a lot of the vehicle commercials, so I can think of some of the vehicle commercials that were total flops. Like, man, this, that was, you know, dumb. That was a complete waste of time. And they spend all that money, you know, you got to get this new vehicle that's coming out kind of thing. So also with commercials, I've noticed in the Super Bowl, they use them to tell you what's coming. So a lot of people uh, watch the Super Bowl commercials like, what am I going to learn about? You know, what's going to be new, whether it be a particular product I can buy or TV show Movie trailers. Yeah, a movie. Yeah, so a lot of commercials are used to introduce something new that's coming. So if that piques your curiosity, be looking for that because there will always be something that's being introduced to you in the Super Bowl commercials. I've noticed that over the years as well. Rob, definitely. uh, So, Rob, you got some trivia for me. And, of course, I don't have Google available, but I'm a trivia guy. I used to go to trivia nights with my families on Thursday night and we'd win like a free pizza. Like the group that got the most questions right would win like a coupon to come back the next night. And so I love trivia nights. Yeah, let's just go over the Roman numerals here. Now, so, I'm not uh, cheating. I don't have Google. I, I'm good. I'm going to tell you this right now, Rob. I do not have Google. I know I have it on my phone, but I'm not busting out Google. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, Roman numerals. Uh IV is for, uh, we'll start with the lower numbers, okay? IV is the number what? Four. Okay, good. V is the number? Five. All right, then we, we go a little higher on the list. We got IX represents number? Nine. And X represents? Ten. Ten. Okay, now we're going to combine those numbers going higher up the number scale. XIV. XIV equals what number? XIV going higher. It's higher than 10. 14. Good, good. And then we got X and V. That would be 15. Absolutely. All right, going a little higher up the numeral scale. Now getting a little trickier here. We got X, I, X. X, I, X equals what? Uh, 19. Oh, Roman number. 19, correct. Then we got double X. Double X is 20. Super Bowl 20. All right. And then we got, uh, then we got X, X. V going a little higher up the scale. XXV. 25. All right. And we got triple X, XXX. Super Bowl XXX. (laughs) All right. 30. 30. All right. And then we got uh, Super Bowl XL. So that's higher than 30. Super Bowl XL would have been Super Bowl what? XL. XL would be. Wow. I remember seeing this. Higher, higher than 30. Would it be 30? It's not, it's not 35. No, be, a little higher than, a little higher be, than that. Is it 50? XL would, be, would have been Super Bowl 40. Okay, XL. XL is 40. Okay. All right, and then we get XLV. XLV would have been Super Bowl what? Higher, it would have been higher than 40. 
Super Bowl 45. That's correct. And then just the plain letter L would have been Super Bowl what? 50. Awesome. And then this year's 2022 Super Bowl has the Roman numerals L V I. L V I, which would equate to Super Bowl number what? 56. Super Bowl 56. All right. And there we go. Now we've got an educated audience on Roman numerals. <laughs> that, that was fun. Great job, Richard. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Now, uh, quickly, as we wrap up the show, we're uh, dishing on the worst Super Bowl ever's and the best Super Bowl ever's. Okay. Well, we'll start with uh, we'll start with number five and work our way up. All right. Um, number five, Super Bowl XXIX. Uh, sorry, I don't know what number that was, but uh, is actually the 49ers over the Chargers. Now, you would remember this one being a Niners fans. 49 to 26 was rated the fifth worst Super Bowl ever, even though the Niners got the win. It was, you know, basically a boring game. So yeah. that was the fifth, fifth worst. I remember that game. It was a boring game, but I was shocked that the Chargers put up 26 points. A lot of people wanted the 49ers and Steelers. The Chargers came out of nowhere and made it into that Super Bowl because they beat the Steelers in the AFC Championship, which was shocking. Absolutely. I'm going to go back to my Roman numerals chart here. And, and Stan uh, Humphreys was a quarterback. So, you know, the Chargers led by head coach Bobby Ross. They weren't they weren't expected to be there. So I understand why that was a bad Super Bowl. All right. Fourth worst of all time is a Super Bowl XI, which according to my numerals chart would have been Super Bowl eleven. Uh, Raiders over the Vikings, 32-14. to 14. So that, that would have been maybe uh, one of John Madden's teams uh, back then. That had oh. to have been the Raiders' first Super Bowl win in 1977. Uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of – the Raiders got over the hump. They won – finally won the AFC, but the Vikings uh, weren't a very good team, so I can understand why. All right, third were Super Bowl IV, uh, IV, which according to my uh, Roman numerals would have been Super Bowl Four, one of the earlier ones. Uh, Chiefs twenty three, Vikings seven. So that would have been the purple, uh, the purple people eaters, <laughs> the uh, you know the old Vikings teams. Uh, oh yeah, they were getting old there. Uh, what would that have been? Fran Tarkenton was their quarterback back then. Well, that, I think. that would have been the first uh, Super Bowl that the Vikings were in. I mean, remember the Vikings went to three additional Super Bowls in the seventies. Oh, okay, all right. So I got that mixed up. But the Chiefs won that game. Uh, the old school Chiefs there, twenty three to seven, rated as a very boring Super Bowl. All right, now I'm going to let you uh, try to guess the worst Super Bowl ever. All right, uh, so number two, the worst Super Bowl ever. Super Bowl XLV3. Super Bowl XLV3, whatever number that is, <laughs> was um, the Seahawks beat the Broncos 43-8. to And at one point, it was 29 to nothing. And Peyton Manning was the quarterback for the Broncos in that game. And that was the super defense that the Seahawks had uh, back when they were really good. So that was rated as the second worst Super Bowl game ever, 43-8. to eight. You remember that one? I do. I remember that Peyton Manning did not get off to a great start. I remember that they got a safety early, and the Seahawks would just not let up. That was when the Seahawks were probably at its best. They had the strongest team. They had the Legion of Boom. They had Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson. I still think the 49ers should have beat them in the NFC Championship, but that's neither here or there. 
But, yeah, that was a very boring Super Bowl. And also at MetLife Stadium in New York, it was a very surprising venue for the Super Bowl. A lot of people were nervous about the weather. It's like, why are we having the Super Bowl in an outdoor stadium in cold weather? But they wanted to have the Super Bowl in New York, so I understood. The worst Super Bowl ever as far as ratings go and the score and the way the game was. And here's your clue. It involves your favorite team. Got a guess on that? Worst Super Bowl ever involves your favorite team. Everybody knows that I have uh, my favorite team is the 49ers. So yeah. if, it, if the worst Super Bowl ever involves the 49ers, and we already talked about the 49ers Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the 55-10 to 10, uh, blowout of Joe Montana and John Elway, <laughs> that's exactly right, Richard. And uh, that's exactly right. So go ahead and tell me what you remember about that game. It's rated as the worst Super Bowl game ever. Well, as Jenny Fisher could vouch for, because we talk about this team like all the time, the 89 49ers were the greatest team of all time, in my opinion. John Elway had no answer for the 49ers defense. Joe Montana was just rolling into the playoffs. They blew out the Rams in the NFC Championship. The Denver Broncos, they were a nice story. John Elway, I'm glad he finally got some Super Bowls. But still, Browns fans were just bitter about the drive and then the Ernest Spiner fumble. And then they played the Browns again in the 1989 AFC Championship. A lot of people don't realize that, that the Broncos faced the Cleveland Browns in the AFC Championship three times. Wow. Yeah, and then I'm just looking at the score – for the 49ers to score 55 points in the Super Bowl, it's rated as the worst game ever. But for Niners fans, are you kidding me? 55 points in a Super Bowl. Uh, and so I understand, you know, why you're a loyal Niners fan. The Niners have played some of the worst-rated Super Bowl games ever and some of the best ever. Even when they played the Bengals, when the Bengals finally made it and played in – the 49ers beat them down in that game, too. So, yeah, that some of the greatest teams of all time were those Niners teams back in the day. So, I actually thought that the worst Super Bowl of all time was the one in Atlanta a couple of years ago, the Rams and the Patriots, when the Patriots beat them 13-3. to I'm shocked that that's not on the list. Oh, yeah. It may have been on the list, but it may have been a little further down the list. Yeah, that would have been a real snoozer. Like, come on, somebody score some points here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the best ones will surprise you because uh, I think they tried to be loyal to some of the old school games as well. All right, the fifth best ever Super Bowl XXV, uh, Giants over the Bills 20-19. to the wide right game that came down to the wire there. You remember that one, don't you? I felt bad for Scott Norwood. Uh, the Buffalo no-huddle offense, Marv Levy, Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly, that was such a great team. And that was their best shot because the Giants, they got lucky and beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship. If Roger Craig didn't fumble, I think the 49ers would three-peat, and they'd be the only NFL team to three-peat. And the Giants, it, their, their MVP was Otis Anderson. They, they had a backup quarterback. I mean, because Phil Simms was their quarterback, but Jeff Hostedler led them. And Buffalo had a very large lead. I think they had a 12-3 to lead, and the Giants were able to come back in that game. It was a great game, I, I admit. And remember, that was the Whitney Houston Super Bowl. I mean, we could talk a little bit about national anthems. That was the most iconic national anthem ever, Whitney Houston. Because you remember, we were fighting in Desert Storm. In Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So cover that with some of your guests later, the best national anthems ever and the worst national anthems ever. And then the best halftime shows ever, you know, that, that'll be fun to talk about with your oh, guests yeah. later, later in the week. Uh, all right. Number four, best ever uh, Super Bowl LI, which would have been fairly recent. Of course, the Patriots coming back and winning that 34 to 28, 28, three comeback game. Brady at his, at his best. Uh, what a game. I'm sorry for the Falcons fans. They've never really gotten over that game as a franchise. I mean, the Falcons are still struggling yeah, uh, yeah. after after that. We know all about that one, and so does your audience, we, and we're we, still we – we're still – We talk about it all the time, but a Braves World Series title and a Georgia National Championship heals all wounds. Let's keep going. <laughs> Number Super Bowl XLIX again, having fun with these Roman numerals. Uh, again, the Patriots, uh, the 28 24 win over the Seahawks coming down to the goal line there at the last uh, second with Malcolm Butler interception, the goal line stop in that game. Pete Carroll's or whoever was the offensive coordinator's Daryl Bevel. Yeah, yeah. why are you throwing the ball at the goal line? And even given that as a possibility, uh, Marshawn Lynch was a was in beast mode that game and could have handed the ball off to him. So Patriots win that one, rated as the third best of all time. What do you think? That was well, that was a fun fun game. Well, remember what happened the play before, or the a couple plays before. Jermaine Curse's crazy catch it was one of those. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Al Michaels when he did the whole Monday Night Football. The, the catch by Antonio Freeman where he had the call. He did what? Yeah, it was one of those <laughs> crazy catches. Jermaine Kirst is falling on his back. The ball just lands right at him. I know Julian Edelman had a, had a crazy catch like that in the game against the Falcons. But, oh, it was just an incredible catch. And then Russell Wilson chooses to pass when you got to give it to Marshawn Lynch at the goal line. That, that's going to haunt Seahawks fans forever. They were getting ready to win back-to-back Super Bowls and start a dynasty last decade. And Seahawks fans still cannot get over that Super Bowl. Oh, I know. I know, and I don't blame them. Uh, and, and another cool thing to cover uh, leading up to the Super Bowl is, you know, some of the best offensive plays and defensive plays in the Super Bowl history. I mean, there's been some games that have come down the wire or some of the most incredible football plays you'll ever see in Super Bowl games. And speaking of that, number two rated best Super Bowl game ever, Super Bowl XL. I, I, Giants 17, Patriots 14, the Tyree catch, the helmet catch, and uh, that that crazy game. I believe, was that the Super Bowl where the Patriots were undefeated coming into yes. that game? Yes. Yeah. It, and uh, Randy Moss scores the go-ahead touchdown. Patriots are thinking they're going to have a 19-0 perfect season. That was the year where I really started to despise the Patriots because they were getting ready to do this undefeated season, and – I just wanted to see somebody beat them. I remember that the Giants, they, the Patriots were going to play tough all the way to the end of the season. They were playing the Giants the last game of the season, and that was one of those games where Tom Brady threw Randy Moss. Well, Tom Brady threw for 50 touchdowns that year because he had Randy Moss. And the Patriots played everybody so tough, and I think it cost him at the end because the Giants' defensive line was just on another level. And that's why the Patriots were denied the undefeated season. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of great offensive plays in that game. Even the last drive, even the last drive by the Giants, you know, there was that crazy catch. But it led to 
the uh, the Eli Manning throw to the corner of the end zone there where the guy caught it, you know, and he was towing the line there. So that game came down the wire even as great as their defense was. And, of course, Strahan uh, capping out his career, you know, with the most all-time sacks and all that good stuff. All right, this one surprised me because uh, this survey was fairly recent. Still rated as the best Super Bowl ever because we're a little bit younger on this one, but it's Super Bowl X – Three. So, according to my Roman numerals here, that would have been Super Bowl thirteen. Uh, Steelers thirty-five, Dallas thirty-one. Uh, the reason why it was rated the best ever is because Dallas was at the height of their prime, and the Steelers were at the height of their prime. And I guess it was rated that way because all the Hall of Famers in that game on both sides of the ball. Yeah, still rated. Hey, still rated as the the best one ever. I think it. I think that's why. I think it was kind of a respect. Uh, a nod to the game and, and how many Hall of Famers on both sides were in that game. Of course, you had you had Bradshaw and uh, and then uh, Stallback on the other side there, and kind of that nostalgia. So yeah, it'll be good for us to go back and uh, watch the clips of that game. I'm over here in Steelers country, so you know I might do that for enjoyment this week leading up to the Super Bowl. But I've had a fun time uh, going over this with you, Richard, and I hope the audience has enjoyed it as well. Talking about commercials, Roman numerals, and the best and worst Super Bowls of all time. I love the Super Bowl week. Rob, it was great having you on the show. Thank you for inciting me on everything Super Bowl related with the commercials and the greatest games. And as always, you've been a great guest on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, let's have a fun week together with the podcast. And we encourage everybody to keep listening because that's what it's all about, having fun and uh, talking sports together. Thank you, Rob Frazier, for being a guest on the Sports Beat. Don't forget that Rob Frazier will be joining me next Monday as, Rob, we get to recap the Super Bowl game that Monday after the Super Bowl. Absolutely, brother. And we're on Eastern time, so we will be tired, 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 but we'll have fun doing it. <laughs> All right. That was Rob Frazier on the Sports Beat. Thank you for everybody listening to my podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. And as always, I am available on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show as we will have Jenny Fisher as we will get into the Super Bowl as well. Hope everybody has a great day and we will talk to you later. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.